Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show, and I have a powwow power player on the call with me today. Uh, her name is uh, Marilla Scott. She is known uh, and has been designated by Oprah as the ambassador of hope. Uh, she's a best-selling author of uh, In Our House and uh, uh, another phenomenal book called Bad to the Bone. I believe, in my opinion, she is the... Uh, uh, queen of teaching forgiveness. Uh, we're going to talk about that and talk about why. Marilla, how are you, my dear? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I am very blessed. So it's another beautiful day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, um, you know, uh, sometimes uh, we look at these kinds of things and say, well, you know, I've been blessed, you know, to be called the ambassador of hope by Oprah, but, uh, hey, you had to pay a price to get there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you have to live a, a certain level of life uh, and um, that you did not necessarily ask for, uh, but um, to take it and to use it uh, for good as opposed to allowing it to consume you. Let's talk about. Um, let's go back to to in our uh, you know in our house and, and 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 some of the things that happened to you in your in in your childhood uh, that led you to write this book. Uh, and to be an advocate for forgiveness? Well, you know, I was actually born into a cycle of abuse. I, I didn't ask for it. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I had to take as a child because there was no outlet for it, and we didn't have anyone that would help us, my brothers and I and my mother. And my father, as intelligent as he was, being recruited upon his graduation from college by both IBM and the CIA simultaneously, he was a very intelligent, articulate man. However, behind closed doors, he was a different person. And we reaped the uh, results of that and the stresses that he had of life. But as I grew older, you know, everything that happened to me as a child was what people read in our house, Perception versus Reality, they're blown away by it because my life was completely unimaginable. And people, they asked me, they said, how do you make it out of that house? You know, how don't, you know, why don't you even, um, you know, hate your father or do you hate this person or that or, you know, for what happened to your mother? And it was one layer of horror after another. However... I didn't know it then. What I know now, what took me mm-hmm. years to understand, is the forgiveness aspect is what helped me heal. And in healing, it helped me to share my story, my pain, my plight, to help others avoid it. And that's how I became Oprah's Ambassador of Hope, was out speaking and teaching people these things. And, you know, I was honored with that, which is a tremendous honor in itself. But sharing your story sometimes to um, let people know about how you can connect with their life, that you understand what they're going through, you feel it, you get it. That's the way to help save other people, and it, it's another way to keep yourself from remaining a victim. What was the, uh, how old were you when the abuse uh, began, and how bad did it get? 
Oh, it began when I was uh, five years old, and it started, you know, with the typical slapping, pushing, shoving, you know, negative words towards one another. And my mother, you know, she wasn't um, passive initially. She'd fight back tooth and nail. But after a while, she was broken down, and and she had her teeth knocked out, eyes black. My brothers were beaten um, so terribly that one of them was thrown into a bathtub, not only one time but a couple of times, just to be revived. So it was very brutal and um, consistent, it was a very consistent pattern. But what happened led my mother to take another avenue to try and protect us, and it actually devastated her and cost her her life. So growing up having all these negative emotions and not trusting people anymore um, is a terrible way to begin your life, but it's, you know, the worst way to carry that throughout your life and never let go of it. How um, was there... Uh, any signs of mental illness um, uh, with your father? No, 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 no. I mean, it, the funny thing about it is my father, with being recruited by a CIA, there definitely would be because they take him through so many psychological things. He was actually very highly intelligent, but he was just mean. He was just had a lot of hate in him. He had a lot of violence in him. And what took me years to understand is that, you know, I had trouble forgiving him for so many years for what had transpired in our house because I couldn't understand it. But then as I grew older, I came to understand we typically don't look at the lives of other people and say, what caused him to be this way? Because they weren't born this way. He wasn't born that way. Something made him into the individual he was. And I came to understand, you know, fragments of his life and parts of it. It allowed me to offer forgiveness because, mm -hmm. again, he was a victim of circumstances. And sometimes we don't get it because we don't care anymore. But how do you stop it? You stop it by having understanding. Comprehension is key. Forgiveness is powerful. Hate is too. But one heals and the other destroys. How do you heal? Not for forgiveness. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I can't imagine um, what that level of abuse is, is like, especially when it leads to uh, the death of your mother. Yes, you know, the circumstances surrounding what happened to my mother, everything being beaten and, you know, it was like watching Mike Tyson get into a ring and taking it. And my older brother is the same thing. But watching that repeatedly as a woman is damaging when you see you have no value, you have no recourse, you have no outlets. But we do, you see. My mother didn't think she did. But what I learned from her was not to take it, was not to allow it to continue, but to educate myself and to educate other women and men because men are abused so often that people, society overlooks it. And so they don't talk about it. If I have five brothers and my elder brothers are being abused, where do you think these young boys learn to become abusers? Which my brothers did not, but where do you think they learn it? Where do you think they learn to accept it? Because they've taken it. And sometimes it's at the hands of their mother, sometimes at the hands of their father, and sometimes, you know, strangers, relatives, and so forth. But we have to stop it by talking about it and teaching them how to recognize the indicators of an abuser. That's one way. Did you receive, uh, in your later years, did you receive any level of counseling? I mean, how did you come to uh, this level of wisdom, this level of forgiveness? Is this something you did on your own, or is this something that you had help with? Oh, I love it. That's a great question. Um, that's something that I actually, I had help with because God is was where my help came from. God helped me overcome this because I, he knew my heart. He knew my destiny. He knew, and as well as I did, is that what happened to me in a child, I didn't, as a child, I didn't ask for it. I didn't want that. That wasn't my destiny. And mm. when I had my son and my da daughter, I knew that everything I had hated about my childhood, 
how dare I be so hypocritical as to bring them into that same cycle of anger, rage, and abuse so that it can perpetuate and destroy their lives the same way I was allowing it to do mine. So when I came closer to my faith, I came closer to understanding how to stop it. And in doing that, uh, writing was a very, a very big and therapeutic part of my healing to understand and looking back. Very cathartic. Oh, huge, huge. So that's, that's what I did for therapy. Um, in relationship, uh, in intimate relationship, we, we learn things about ourselves that we never would learn um, alone because uh, there's nothing uh, in us that will allow us to push those kinds of buttons of, of uh, compromise and, and with, with an intimate partner. What did you learn about yourself, bring to the table, uh, in your relationship and choosing your relationship for your children, uh, the father of your children. Um, walk, walk me through that, that process of how did you know what is a, a, a good man and not an abusive man? Oh, that's, oh, wow, I love this. Okay, because I actually, those warning signs, they're there. They're not only for men, they're for women. Those indicators of an abuser are, are always present. We choose not to see them. It's mm. like I can see the things in my father, even as a child. So I know my mom can see him, but typically we use what we call our own logic and our own reasoning, and we justify it. And justifying it can be catastrophic and detrimental to our well-being. So when you see those signs with someone's being more controlling, telling you what to wear, what not to do, you can't have your friends around, separating you from your family, the list is endless. So you mm. take a handful of them, and when you see those, that's telling you that person really doesn't have a very healthy mindset. And it was from that that helped me evolve and what happened to my mother, the horrors that transcended her into a different realm that was just even worse, is that I followed my intuition. And intuition, your God-given intuition, in my opinion, it plays a very strong part in the success and outcome of your life. Because when you learn to trust, you know, your intuition, it rises above reason. But that aspect of faith and knowing that there's something better, that there's something that's protecting you from you, it helps. And I follow my intuition to protect me and help others learn how to trust it and use it to shape their life into a different way. Sure. One of the things that happens to uh, men and uh, women, boys and girls, that have been exposed to systemic uh, abuse for such a long time, uh, there there, uh, becomes sometimes a... um, uh, a silent inner um, feeling of not being deserving of having the best or having even better. Um, how did you work through that, or did you even go through that? Did you, you know, was there such a separation and dichotomy of the abuse from your true self that? Uh, you you were able to work through that that process that most most uh, young girls and boys uh, never come out of. Oh, you know, it's sad and it's very difficult for me to see, like as you stated, um, that people don't come out of it because for me, when I was watching it transpire at the hands of my father, oh my gosh, I was being groomed for the opposite. Most people are groomed to take it, to accept it, or to become it. And I was actually allowing myself, I was taking this in, and every blow, every time something catastrophic happened to my mother that she was walking around wearing glasses at night, I determined I will never let this happen to me in my life. I will never let anyone lay their hands on me, and I will never allow, you know, abuse to touch my children 
or be in my life. And mm-hmm. with knowing that I wasn't going to do that, I didn't. It was a conscious decision. See, we make conscious choices to be in abusive situations because those signs, once they, they start coming up, you remove yourself from it. When you mm-hmm. don't, you're justifying it. Well, you know, things aren't going to end up so well because they didn't for my mother, and that was so horrific for me to watch that I had to say, okay, what would I have done differently? We typically say that, but when it is us and we are in that situation, what do we do to change it? That's what I had to look at, and that's what I had to take under consideration. Um, what you went through uh, is analogous to, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a veteran coming back from the war. Uh, exactly. The only difference is, is that um, you, you, you didn't get a chance to come back from war. You were in it for quite a period of time for most of your childhood. Oh, yeah. uh, so it created, I'm sure, you know, post-traumatic stress uh, and trauma and disorder in, there, in, in that. Um, as a result, were, were there moments uh, and are there still moments where you have sometimes a flashback or waking up in cold sweats or just uh, frozen in the moment uh, from a memory? You know, the horror that I went through, when people read it, they are blown away. A lot of people read my book in two days because they can't put it down and they can't, you know, understand how someone can be, in, you know, part so much hate on their children and their spouse. And when I went away to college, I would wake up having nightmares all the time because, again, my mother got involved with something from the abuse my father led her to seeking a way out of it, which caused her an alternate route that made things even worse. And, you know, she didn't – it's very difficult, very difficult to see what happened to her. And so – I had a lot of years in pain, and that's why I couldn't understand, like, is this going to be my life? Is this going to be it? So when Mm -hmm. I surrendered to God, I started taking in more peacefulness, and that peacefulness is what saved me and stopped me from having the the nightmares and the waking up in tears and just being, constantly being there. But when people read the book, they say, wow, I felt like I was you. I felt like I was there. And Mm -hmm. that that came from my experiences. That came from my pain. That came from those night sweats and everything Mm -hmm. that I was waking up taking in, I put that reality in the book. That's why it's called In Our House Perception versus Reality because the perception of our life is that we had it all. The reality was a hellish nightmare. So with that being said, I let people feel what I felt because I wanted them to know and find ways to avoid it and understand what I was trying to share with them. But yes, those um, those situations, you know, they were then, but as I transcend it into a more healthier state of mind and place, uh, even the thought of it right now, it doesn't faze me at all. It's it's gone. When did when did when did you get a sense of what normal is? You know, it's it's kind of like a, when you're born into poverty, you never know uh, that you're poor. When you're born into abuse, you 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 never know that there's anything more. Uh, that there is a level of normalcy. Uh, and uh, in some cases, in many cases, um, the, the, the brain, the mind just automatically rejects uh, any sense of normal because it's so foreign to, <laughs> to it. What did normal look like for you, and when did it begin to um, uh, show up in your life? Oh, wow, I love your question. <laughs> normal is something that... My childhood, it was normal to me. See, a lot of people don't understand is that what the reality of someone's life is, that is their normal. That's their routine. That's why you have children that are sexually abused and they don't say anything because it has become their normal if they're groomed to take that. Mm -hmm. If you're groomed and you're born into a cycle of abuse, well, that is normal to you. So all of that and everything that happened... 
it was normal. It was quite normal. Now, what was different is when I went away to college and I had to, you know, I didn't think I'd make it out of that house alive, number one. But when I did, going away to college was something different because I realized that not until that point that the world wasn't wasn't right. It wasn't the same as what I was used to. So mm-hmm. I didn't know how to navigate through it as easily as people thought. I separated myself from people. I kept to myself quite a bit. I didn't trust anyone. I didn't really like to interact with people, although I was a magnet for people. People loved to be around me, and I didn't want to be around anyone because I didn't trust anyone. So mm-hmm. I realized my sense and my feeling and my lack of wanting to associate and in a healthy way it wasn't normal, and that's when I said, okay, something's got to change. Something's not right, and I had to really recreate my life of who is Marilyn Scott, who do I want to be, and what is my true destiny, because what I came out of, I wasn't willing to take that with me anymore. That mm-hmm. was me. How did your brothers fare, um, and, and how, are, how are they now? My brothers are amazing men, amazing. God had his, I mean, he covered us with protection because we've all made it out of that house. And the house hasn't quite made it out of us, what happened. But, you know, they're successful in their careers, some even more so than one would even imagine that they had the capability to be. But that drive and passion of my father being a very successful individual and very intelligent, well, he passed that along. And so we tend to take sometimes what's bad in our lives and take it with us and repeat that cycle, but I'd have to say for my brothers and I, we left behind what was bad and took the good. And there's always good. You just have to be willing to acknowledge it. We took what was good and we used that to kind of perpetuate our lives into something a little healthier, a little better, more successful. Fantastic. Are you still married? Um, yes, I am. Yes, okay. I am. My husband is amazing. What, um, in, in, in meeting your husband, I guess the question is how many times um, – did you fall in love or thought you were in love before you met your true love, which is your husband? And, and, and what was that process of becoming a woman that you could trust? Um, did you have to, did you go through some uh, relationships that looked like the real deal, felt like the real deal, but, but was not? No, I think I was a little bit too mean for that. <laughs> I think I was. I, I, oh, oh, my gosh. I had my fist balled up ready. If you came at me and said, oh, my gosh, you're attractive, I wanted to, like, you know, render a blow to you or something because oh it was like, you know, my father told me I was ugly, I was worthless, I was useless. Now, what do you want from me to tell me this, you know, the opposite? So, mm. you know, I kind of wasn't that person. So I thought that anyone that would come and say, oh, wow, you're attractive, I was like, oh, wow, you're lying. You know, what do you want? What's your game? So I had to learn how to love myself, and I don't believe that you're capable of loving anyone else if you don't love yourself. So I didn't want to be in a relationship until I got myself into a healthier state. And, you know, that's where I am now. So, What were the signs of when you met your husband uh, that, that you knew that this is the one? Um, <laughs> what, 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 what caused that? You know, because I, I, I'm, I'm certain there was, a, you know, a dating period and a gestation period. Uh, but what, what said that? Okay, this this is it. This is the guy. Um, you know, it's just like he didn't have any of the qualities that are the warning signs and indicators of an abuser. He didn't have the, the indicators to take abuse off the table. He had drive. He had passion. He had a zest for life. He had his face. He had everything intact that connected with who I really am. He had it already. So he wasn't searching and looking, and he was already in a very healthy, happy state of, you know, his own life. And so when you see people that are 
um, unhappy and they're trying to, you know, people don't make people happy. You make yourself happy. They can bring mm-hmm. temporary happiness, but they really don't fulfill you because when you remove that person, then you're back where you started from. He was already in a very healthy, happy place. He came from a good family. You know, he didn't go through anything or had never experienced anything like I did. And so it was, to me, it was very, very natural. It's very natural. He's a very loving individual, and everything that I am, he represented. It was a mirror one of, of one another. And so you can't get any better than that. For me, I never settled. I refused to settle. And I could tell by following my intuition if something was good or someone was bad for me. I didn't even waste my time. I was mm-hmm. like, nah, you know, this isn't going to work. And they were like, we haven't even been on a date. Well, you know, it's not going to work. So I was a little rigid that way back then because I, you know, I didn't want to ever end up in an abusive situation. So mm-hmm. I protected myself with what I saw. And I did the same thing with friends. I did the same thing in my career. I did the same thing across the board. But now I've honed it in and learned to cultivate it and use it in a more um, natural, better, softer way. And it works. Um, when you uh, or, or if you get into arguments or disagreements with your, with your husband um, and when uh, life events show up where, where you um, must exude some level of, of anger or, or resentment, um, how, does that, how does that manifest itself in you with your husband? Um, did you ever find yourself maybe saying some things that, or feeling some things that were triggered from your past, or did you have to catch yourself or find yourself in many situations where you have to catch yourself uh, in, in those situations of real-life uh, intimacy and relationship? That's a great question. It, one thing I would have to say is that if I were to tell you that I never feel or have a sense of anything that came from my childhood, that would be a lie because you do. It's there. Everything, all of the abuse and everything that I took in, oh, my gosh, you know, it's there. It's in me, but I don't act upon it. And so when something, if there's anything that I ever don't like, it's open for discussion, not for a fight. It's open. We can agree to disagree, but I can say that we don't fight. We don't have that kind of lifestyle because it wasn't an option for me. So we talk about everything. He is actually, you know, my best friend in that we laugh about a lot of things. We talk about a lot of things, but we see eye to eye. And if you meet someone that's on the same page with you spiritually, you don't have those disagreements and fights that people have. That's an unhealthy Mm -hmm. part of life. I didn't want it. We don't have it. And so people say, yeah, sure, you have to fight sometimes. Um, No, you don't, and we don't. And so it's a choice. It's a conscious choice to be happy. It's a conscious choice to be honest. It's a conscious choice to be supportive of one another. And if you do healthy things and you're with a healthy individual, you can't lose. Mm-hmm. My life is perfect. I can't get any better. People say there's no such thing as perfection. I disagree with that. I'm perfect just the way I am because God made me, and saying that I'm not means that God made a mistake. He doesn't make mistakes. He knows what he's doing. Uh, two of the most um, meaningful uh, you used the word earlier, natural, most meaningful and natural um, occurrences of a human being is one, to fall in love, and, and, and secondly, to become uh, a parent. Um, for a mother, uh, in some ways more so than a father, but both are hormonally and biologically affected by that. When you were, when you found out that you were pregnant with your first child, what were those emotions that went through you? Um, coming out of the environment that I did, it was kind of like, hmm, I don't know if I can be a good mom given that all I have seen is abuse. Mm-hmm. And 
then, you know, once that subsided, my relationship, here I am with my, my son, and actually that's what I'm doing in L.A. is visiting him, is remarkable. I mean, I have the most relationships with my, the best relationships any parent can ever have with my son and my daughter because I invested in not being like the parents that, you know, I was taught. I didn't pick up those values. I didn't pick up those things. And everything I wished I had, I made sure that I gave to my children instead of, you know, keeping them away from that as well and denying them those very things. Mm-hmm. So my parenting is probably one of the best roles of my life is what I've done with my son and my daughter. My daughter graduates college. She co-authored my latest book, Intuition, and she's a novelist before she is um, a college grad next month. But she was able to talk about intuition, trusting it, and and by everything that we've gone through in our life, what she's seen and the lessons that she's learned with her mother. My son, I can talk to him about anything. We, Both of us, all three of us, with my son and my daughter, we have an open dialogue about anything they want to talk to me about, we talk about, we laugh about. And so instead of repeating that cycle, I created my own. And it's absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, I tell you. Looking at um, your kids, raising your kids, looking at your uh, looking at these baby humans becoming uh, adults, um, share with me a moment or two uh, or three <laughs> that uh, when they were growing up, you looked and learned uh, something so amazing about yourself. Oh, I'm telling you, you never know as a parent if you're doing it right. You really don't. And so I really didn't take any um, pride in what I was doing. I just tried to do the best I could. Now, here I am years later, and I look at my son and my daughter with so much pride because I'm like, oh, my gosh, what what blessing that I have to get it right because I look at them and they're happy, they're healthy, they're, they do community service, they've done a lot to offer, you know, people the best of themselves and inspire others and encourage others. And I see better individuals than I ever, ever was in my children. And so that's when I knew I got it right, because sometimes our parents say, you'll never be me, which is I always heard from my dad. And I would think, you know, I really, I kind of really don't want to be you, just for the record. But, you know, you kind of like, with your children, sometimes parents don't want their children to be better. They don't. (laughs) I did. I wanted them to be much better, much happier, much healthier. And so looking at them now, you really don't know until you go through the test of time. And um, they're extremely happy, healthy, successful, and giving individuals. I, I, can't, I can't have done anything else, anything else. 2009, you became uh, open designated you as the ambassador of hope. How did that come, to, how did that come about? That was through um, my memoir in our house, teaching people about the indicators of an abuser and talking about um, how to overcome adversity in your life. And when I was out speaking on college campuses and universities um, all over the place and doing speaking at seminars, it came, you know, they called me and said, hey, you know, we see the work that you're doing and what you're teaching. It is something that's necessary, and it was truly an honor to receive that because uh, when I do things, I do it for me. I do it because it's who I am and not for recognition and the recognition that came with it, it just allowed me in in some strange way, it allowed me to do more. It opened up the ability for people to to share their stories with me, to talk Mm -hmm. to me more freely, and she kind of helped with that brand, um, if I may say so, you know, just for people to say, okay, well, you know, she's pointing out what you've done, so people even listen more readily, and it allowed me to go into their hearts and their you know, and help shape their lives a little bit better with a little bit more power of love, inspiration, encouragement, and those things. 
That's incredible. Um, as a writer, um, you you uh, could have uh, easily said, hey, you know, this is it. I'm going to write one or two books, which is not an easy thing to do and obviously not an easy subject. Uh, but you also decided to become a ghostwriter. Yeah. Uh, where did that come from? You know, what it is is that I look at the stories that I share, the magnitude that it has to affect people and allow people to see through my pain there was so much good that came out of it. And sometimes our pain is our lesson in life. Sometimes it's the only way that it would have shaped us. No matter how bad it is, it's meant and it happened for a reason, unfortunately. And mine, when I came to grasp that and understand it, I realized that instead of remaining a victim of circumstances, that I can take my my pain from my past and use it as fuel to help others, to teach others lessons, to help them avoid what I went through or what I saw or what I experienced in any capacity. Why keep it to myself? And so in doing that, writing naturally is something that helped me therapeutic. It was, it was all the way across the board. It helped me get out things that I didn't even know were still in me. And when I got those things out and I was done, I realized I was done with that part of my life completely. No anger. How long did it take you to write that? How long did it take you to write that book? Thirteen years. <laughs> okay, I was going to say it's not something you could just sit down on a weekend and do. Uh, Thirteen years, <laughs> a lot of tears. Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, when you are, uh, I assume you also coach and help other people write their story, um, which is amazing to to say the least. Uh, what do you offer uh, someone who has had? Uh, for the lack of a better word, um, tragedy uh, in their uh, in their life and most of their lives, and um, <clears throat> really have a difficult time writing about it, talking about it, let alone writing about it, uh, and also just remembering some of the things that happened because you know we sometimes just try to suppress and forget it and and, and bury it away. How do you bring that out in people? Well, sometimes some people aren't ready to remember. They're not ready to let it come out. So it has to be more of a natural progress. But the people that come to me for me to go write their stories, they have something that they want to share, but they don't know how. And so everyone that I've worked with has read my book. They've read one of my books, and they love the style and what I share because everything I write is inspirational. If it's negative, take it somewhere else. But I only Mm -hmm. do inspirational stories because I want to put something into the world that can benefit others. And the people that come to me, they do too. So I spend a lot of one-on-one time with them and talking to them, almost like a long interview for three days, and we talk about everything, and we determine the path that they want to take. But they have to understand that I want them to see their power. I want them to see their role in this world. I want them to see that they can take their pain, or it might not even be a painful background. It may be something that was amazing that happened to them and share it with the world to inspire and encourage others. That's what I do. That's what I help them do, and I love it. Uh, your, your latest book, Intuition. Uh, that you co-wrote or co-authored with your daughter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Talk to me about that book and 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 uh, why why that type of book. Well, um, great uh, book. It's my best. I would say it's well our best. And the reason being is that I lived a life that I learned early on to trust my intuition. Even when I didn't know what it was as a child, I knew that it was protecting me from me, from situations. And so as I grew older, I learned more about it when I came into a place of peace. And a few years ago, 
Um, I went to the doctors and told them, I said, you know, I have something right here in my head. Something's wrong. And went through several doctors, long story short. They kept telling me I was fine. But my intuition got more agitated. It kept coming up like, "Uh uh-uh, you better go get it straightened out. And my family physician sent me to a specialist and the neurosurgeon. He said, this one, if there's something there, he'll find it. I didn't want there to be anything wrong with me, but intuitively I knew there was. And I had always trusted my intuitions about my life and have always been right when I trusted it. When I didn't, it was catastrophic. Long story short, I found out I had multiple brain aneurysms. And after having a craniotomy um, to have them clipped, if they were my speech and memory area, my husband recommended to help get my passion for writing and sharing and inspiring back that I began writing again. But I couldn't read. I couldn't remember a lot of things. And I couldn't speak as clearly as, you know, I used to prior. So my daughter said, Mama, I'll do this with you. Let's write the book together and let's share what we know. And so that's how we came to co-author it. And we share layers of lessons about understanding and trusting your intuition. That is absolutely amazing. Um, and, 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 and bless you for uh, the, the, the recovery and, and what you have grown through uh, uh, with that uh, discovery and, and, and honoring your intuition. Thank you. Thank you. That being, <clears throat> you're welcome. That being said, <clears throat> you're obviously a, a very inspirational for uh, mother-daughter relationships. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, as we speak right now, there's uh, a daughter and a son out there being abused, uh, as you were, uh, and, uh, you know, might not even have the ability or be able to, to pick up the book and read it, um, what, but might be able to hear it from some, from somewhere. It's amazing how God could just kind of place his information in your life. Yeah. If they heard this interview, what would you give them that would give them, uh, if not a sense of hope, perhaps more so than a sense of how. I like that because what I do in every one of my memoirs or books or things that I write, everything I do, it teaches people the how. I don't say you can and go do it. I tell you how. And what I would say is that it begins with understanding that life, society, people will give you labels. You may have a label that tells you, you know, someone's told you, as I was, you're worthless, you're useless, you're no good, you're never going to be anything. Well, start by removing those labels. And when you remove those labels and you put whatever labels on yourself that you want, I'm beautiful, I'm a success, I can be successful, I love myself, I want to be happy. Start putting positive things there and you'll start changing your mind. When you change your mindset, then will you change your life. So with me, sometimes you have to understand that stepping back and looking at the picture of your life, you have to say, is this where I want to be? Is this my destiny? And if it's painful, if it's hurtful, if it's violent by any way, it is not your destiny. It is not where you're meant to be. So you have to take the steps to remove yourself from it and do it safely. Create a plan and go. Sometimes people don't want to remove themselves from the situation because they say, okay, financially, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, you know, they look at different options and say, I can't do this. I have children. I can't leave. Where am I going to go? No one's going to take me in. Well, my mother made the choice to stay, and I don't have a mother today. So we have to understand is that we have the ability to shape and change our lives, and there's people that have gone through so much in so many other countries that don't even have a fraction of what we have, and they mm-hmm. overcome adversity. <laughs> we can, if we choose to, stop choosing to remain a victim and remove yourself from being victimized. Speak um, your voice. One of obviously the one of the ways that you uh, offer uh, your message and mission of inspiration and forgiveness uh, and and overcoming 
is through your through your writing and obviously through speaking. What other avenues do you use to disseminate this information uh, and to get it to the people who really need it and who really matter? Uh, one thing I love to do is every single day on Twitter and on Facebook, I put up inspirational quotes. On my blog, I write inspirational stories that will correct, connect to your soul, to the core of who you are. Because what I want people to know, I'm not talking to you, talking to you from a place of you can do this. I don't know what you've been through. I've been there. I've had so much pain in my life that I've had to overcome layer after layer after layer and remove it so that I can breathe. And once I learned to breathe non-toxic air, it allowed me to teach people how to get there. And if we, all of us, infuse a little bit of positivity every single day instead of negativity into the lives of others where they can read it, they can see it, they can taste it, they can believe it until they begin to breathe it naturally, <coughs> that's what I do to make a difference. Inspiration mm, doesn't cost a thing. You, you have, obviously, two primary relationships. You have a relationship with your husband. You have a relationship with your children. Yes. Um, what is the criteria for someone to be Marilla Scott's friend? <laughs> I've never been asked that. Oh, my goodness. It's my son and my daughter, and my husband will tell you it's probably nearly impossible um, because I'm, I'm such a loner. You know, mm. what I like to do is I like to go in and I like to give. I like to give you whatever I can to help make your life better, and then I go away. And I come back into, you know, kind of my world of just my, my husband, my son, and my daughter, and, you know, my, my kids. I love my children, so that's kind of where I stay safe. But I, I really don't connect too much outside of what I do because I'd rather touch a lot of people than just a few people. And so I spend so much of my time trying to touch as many people as possible with positive words of inspiration to help shape and change their mindset so they can have a better life, so they can avoid what I did, that I really have not invested in just a small core group of people. So I don't know if that's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating nonetheless. So the question then uh, that would follow that, then, it, and that would be who ministered to the minister. God does, and people that inspire. I love it because my relationship with God is so strong. It's just like you can't beat that. I mean, that's my primary relationship, number one, and anyone that knows me knows that's where it comes from. And so when you come out of the hell that I came out of, oh, I didn't get up and crawl out of it myself. He reached down and pulled me out of it, and he said, okay, that was your lesson. What you went through, I want you to go help others, and that's what I do. So that's where I spend my life, and it is so worth it. And so, you know, I love, I love to make a difference, and I love to be able to share my pain only to make yours dissipate and for you you're, to believe in yourself and go better, get better. You're amazing. You're absolutely amazing. Um, how can people get in contact with you? What is the uh, best uh, uh, web addresses, uh, social media spaces? Um, I am on Facebook and Twitter at Marilla Scott and on my website it's M-A-R-A-L-A-S-C-O-T-T dot com, Marilla Scott dot com. You can find inspiration, my blog. I do ghostwriting through Serif Books. I am all over the place with beautiful words that will make you smile in some capacity. You won't even see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> what a light in the world you are. Um, Thank you. What, uh, what's, uh, you know, uh, obviously you are uh, right now in the throes of uh, promoting this book, but uh, as we all know, uh, there's many, many, many stories uh, uh, in us. What's next for you? What what uh, what does the next five, ten years look like? You know what? I, the crazy thing is, I am doing exactly what I want, which is inspiring and, and healing and loving and caring. 
And that's what the next five or ten years, if I'm granted that long to live, that's what I'm going to do. That's all I want to do. And it's through my writing, it's powerful because that's the best part of me. That's why, you know, I can feel it. I, I feel very passionate about what I do and making a difference and change. And so doing it with my children and with my husband and sharing different, you know, aspects of what I do is I'm just, I'm blessed. Who gets to write a, a book with their daughter? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, Marilla, you, thank you uh, for taking time and being with me today and being with, with, with uh, my listeners uh, and sharing uh, so candidly uh, your, your life, your story, your mission, your passion. Um, I would love for you to come back, not just on the radio show, but I would love for you to come back on our uh, live streaming show on, on Google Hangouts and let the world see you simultaneously while we're having a phenomenal chat about your life. Absolutely. You just say when. You got it. I Thank you so much for being with me today. It's you a are, pleasure. You're amazing. You are oh, amazing. Love you. Wait. You've got a fan for life. And I uh, know you don't have many friends, but <laughs> if, you, if you need a virtual one, you got me. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you do because it's people like you that inspire me. You create a powerful platform of positivity, and you're doing what I do. And you're meet, reaching the masses and allowing people like me to share my story to continue to do so. So without you, it would be harder for me. So thank you. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you for that. I received that. Thank you. Many blessings, my dear. Likewise. Thank you for the right. day. Talk soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.